Atšenáš, Sušíňa Nebesa. Santifikado sea tu nombre. Nech přijde królestwo Twoje. Nech będzie wola Twoja, tak jak jest w niebie, niech będzie na ziemi. Give us today our daily bread. Ampunila dosa kami. Dzień obasypolela labo abasona yogit. Shinuna duce penoini spita. Chinez bavesele chalrao. Fios is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Lai lai. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, welcome to this part six of our series on the Lord's Prayer. It's been a, a great series as we've traveled through phrase by phrase each of the phrases of the prayer itself. I want to give a particularly warm welcome to our congregations over there in Cambridge and in Leicester, Cafe Church, and anyone else who's watching this message on the web. We pray that God will be very close to you uh, uh, today. Now, this prayer uh, is a wonderful prayer. We've enjoyed it, haven't we? as we've been praying it through. Uh, And last week, we came to a point in the prayer where uh, Karen put it very uh, succinctly and correctly that the prayer had kind of uh, turned direction. It moved outward, as it were. And we're continuing the same kind of outward movement in the phrase that we're looking at uh, today uh, because the phrase for us is this lovely phrase, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, the rubber really hits the road on this uh, particular part of the prayer. I don't know if you've spotted it. I'm sure you have. But in the prayer, this is the only part of the prayer that seems to require a response from us before something else happens. There's no other part of the prayer that's like that. So that's what we want to explore in in our time together. But before we dive into that, um, I'd like to tell you a little short story Within the next, uh, well, it's really a secret. I'm going to let you into a little secret. In the next week or two, my wife Heather and I are going to be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. And thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm not telling you that so that, uh, for gifts, but uh, just to let you know that we are absolutely thrilled about that, uh, being together for that length of time. But one of the things uh, anyone who's been married this long, uh, like us, will know that actually you get to be able to communicate with each other really well. And uh, actually, you can say things and your wife actually knows what you mean. It wasn't the words you said, but she knows what the meaning is behind it. Some of you know what I mean here. Heather is an expert in this. So even yesterday, uh, uh, Heather was out with a friend shopping and she said she'd pick up food for tea. Uh, I'm doing, I've been doing a Daniel fast for quite a few days. And so uh, as I was uh, waiting for her to come back in the evening, um, I, I texted her a question, which is, what time do you think you'll come back? Now, Heather knows that that wasn't the real question. (laughs) Heather knows that the real question was, am I eating a tin of peaches with a scrambled egg, or are you bringing some other food here? I know that she got that message because when she texted back, she didn't say a time. She said the word fish. Okay, I've got fish and I'll be there in 15 minutes. So the the depth of our communication was there. Now, I'm telling you this because that kind of little thing like that is exactly what was going on for the first disciples of Jesus when they heard this part of the prayer. uh, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When they hear the word forgive, they also hear another word in the background. And the word that's running in the background is the word freedom. 
It's the word freedom. Because as we heard last week, all of this prayer is for them evocative of a time when their ancestors were in captivity in Egypt, and God rescued them and brought them out of that captivity over 40 years and took them to the promised land. So for them, let me just follow this little link here, captivity is a product of sin, and we'll come to that word in a minute or two, and freedom is the product of forgiveness. And that's why I've subtitled my message today, Be Free, because it's a message of freedom. It's not a message which is heavy. It's not a message that's going to get us down. It's a message which is going to get us excited, because we can be free. We are free in Christ, and we can be free too. So when they prayed this prayer, they were thinking, God has set us free. Our Father has forgiven us and set us free. How much more for us who live post-Christ? When Jesus Christ came, He did a rescue mission that eclipsed everything that the Israelites had experienced because His rescue mission, and we sing about it often in our worship, is that He came in the person of Jesus Christ and rescued the whole of mankind, that's you and me and everybody else, and brought us to a place of forgiveness, and forgiveness equals freedom. Amen. Can I get an applause for that? Because that's something that God has done in our lives. The prophet Jeremiah, when he was writing in the Old Testament, looked to a day when Jesus would do just this. He writes, God speaking, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. This, that's Jesus. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. This is a focus. The Lord is our righteousness. That is, he makes us right with the Father. He restores a broken relationship which, in which there was unforgiveness and gives us forgiveness and freedom. This is something that we all need. Paul, the apostle, writing in the New Testament, brings this to our attention when he says this, for everyone has sinned. Does that word come back again? We'll come to it in a second or two, sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. So, the Israelites could say that statement, our Father has forgiven us and set us free, so can we. Would you like to say it with me? Because it's such a joy to be able to declare this. Our Father has forgiven us and set us free. That's the foundation into which we, uh, from which we go as we look to this prayer. As we pray this prayer, we're praying it in the full awareness that our Father God has set us free already, that if we are Christians, we walk in freedom. If we are Christians, we are in Christ. We are forgiven our sin. And yet Jesus says, pray the prayer, Father, uh, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. So it can seem a little confusing. We're free. We're free of sin, but yet we have got to ask for forgiveness from sin. So what does Jesus mean when he tells us to do this? Well, let me explain a little, if I may. What is it that we need to be forgiven of? What does sins include? Now, I don't know what you think when you think of the word sins, but let me just unpack it a little bit from the Scripture. Different translations and uh, versions of the Lord's Prayer used in churches use different words to describe this word sin that 
from which we need forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. In Luke's gospel, from which I quoted earlier, we see the word sins, plural, forgive us our sins. The gospel of Matthew uses a different word. It uses the words debts. Could be financial debt, but it, you know, being in debt to someone, not just money, but in lots of other ways. Other versions used in churches talk about trespasses, transgressions, or offenses being forgiven. And I guess if you were brought up in church, you probably have your version of the Lord's Prayer that used one of these words. You see, they all add to the overall meaning of what God needs to forgive in our lives. So, for example, to sin means to miss the target. Debts means is to owe something to someone that you cannot possibly pay. To trespass is to go somewhere we should not have gone. To transgress is to cross a boundary that was close to us. To offend is to injure or hurt someone. So, you see this kind of idea. So, within the, the forgiveness that we have because we are Christians, God wants to keep us as forgiven and freed people. And so, that's why the prayer is relevant for us today. We ask God to forgive us our sins, debts, trespasses, transgressions, offenses, and in turn, we give that freedom, that forgiveness to other people as we forgive those who sin against us. So, how can we pray this prayer every day as part of the Lord's Prayer? Well, I think there are three parts that I want to bring attention to. The second is going to take a bit longer than the one and three, but let's start with the first one. The first part of the the prayer to pray every day is this, ask God to forgive you every day. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to go into every day knowing that there's no offense between me and my loving Father. I want to go to bed at the end of the day knowing that there's no offense between me and my Heavenly Father and that there's no offense between me and anybody else. That's a recipe for a really good night's sleep, isn't it? To know that you've got the peace of knowing that uh, you are forgiven and that you've let go, you've forgiven other people of anything that could have happened in that day. When we were talking about it in the office uh, during the week, we were, we were talking about this very uh, prayer. Well, one of the, the guys in the office likened it to uh, a garden hose, and I have a section of garden hose here. And it's like, um, if I plug this into a tap, all the freedom of God is already in our lives. We said yes to Him. We have freedom and we have forgiveness. But in our daily lives, the, um, sins, offenses, debts, and so on are like knots or kinks in our garden hose. You know that you can switch the water on, but nothing is going to get to the plant unless you undo. Now, could you please look at me as if you know what a garden hose is? Okay, thank you. Yeah, this, is, this is educational. Okay. Um, and so, what we're doing when we're praying every day, we're saying, Father, forgive my sins, debts, offenses, or whatever the, the phrase might be. We're undoing you get this idea? We're undoing the knots in our lives. We're undoing the kinks in our life so that all the freedom that He's already given to us can flow freely into our lives and we can experience what it is to be totally free and then in turn overflow that freedom to other people. That's a great little picture, isn't it? That's what we're doing when we're praying, Father, this morning, would you forgive me? Would you let me help me to forgive other people? Ask God to forgive you every day. Now, personally, I don't know how you do this, but I personally like to pray every day Psalm 51. I have been doing it for nearly 30 years. I'll need to read it in case I, 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 get, it, I get it wrong, because uh, I use a different version of my own prayers. But uh, here's Psalm 51. The psalmist David makes this prayer, and I love this. I start every day with this prayer. Creating me a pure heart, O God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit away from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love that prayer. As I say, I pray it every day, and it gives me opportunity, and I encourage you to do the same, to ask God to forgive me, forgive you what's obvious to you. Sometimes it's just obvious. Ask Him to forgive what's hidden from you. You just don't even know about it. Ask Him to forgive you for doing what you shouldn't have done, and ask Him to forgive you for not doing what you should have done. Does that make sense? You know, because the sins of commission, that's when we do something wrong, and the sins omission, when we don't do something right. So every day we come before our Heavenly Father. You get the picture, don't you? He totally loves you. He's a good, good Father who pours out through Christ forgiveness into your life. But like the hose, it wants to be undone. We don't want to be any kinks in it as we go into the day. We want the love and the freedom and forgiveness of God to be flowing through our lives and into the lives of others. Now for me, sometimes when I pray this, something immediately pops to mind. And I make a little note, so I don't get too distracted, that I might have to drop someone a card or an email just to apologize. Maybe I was too short with them during the day. Heather's got a collection of these going back 20 years, okay? She's got boxes and boxes of these. Um, It's always good to apologize first. Uh, Sometimes I have to correct my own behavior. Sometimes I have to plan to do what I should have done but didn't do. But any old way, you're just saying, today I'm going to move on from that things. Uh, Other times I've prayed and I've got no idea that there was a sin in my life. And actually, as I start to pray, I hear the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit just saying to me, oh, I just want to bring to your attention that conversation, or this, or that, or the next thing. You get the, you get the gist. You allow Him just to reveal that to you, and then you repent and turn from it. Now, if nothing comes to my attention, we don't have to sit there until some sin pops up, okay? If nothing comes to my attention, I, I celebrate. You know, if I was an extrovert, I'd be jumping around in my little prayer room going, woo, 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 I'm free, yeah, joy. The joy of salvation is in Psalm 51, and it's there. But as an introvert, I just, my heart leaps within me, right? Okay, I just sit there. And I say, thank you, Father. Thank you so much that you've forgiven me. Thank you that I can know today your very presence in my life. Thank you that in this very moment, I know that there's nothing between us. How wonderful is that? And there's nothing between me and others as far as I know. And from that prayer, we come to the overflow section of the prayer. As our sins are forgiven, we have got to forgive others. Now, I know that this is a sensitive area, so I've given a bit more time to think about this uh, this morning. It's a tricky area, and you might already, some of you, just be thinking, "Um, I'm quite happy with the first bit of the prayer, forgive us our sins. I'm happy to have a loving Father who forgives me, but as for the second bit, I'm going to need a bit of persuasion. So allow me to exercise a little bit of gentle and gracious and loving persuasion. Second part of the prayer to pray then is this, choose to forgive and release others. Now, I know this is an issue, and I know that it's sensitive because we're human beings, but I also know from research. Recent research discovered that more than 20 million British people, that's about one in three of the population, are not talking to someone in their immediate circle of friends or family because of some disagreement or fallout. Okay, if that's you, it could be you. The reasons could be one in a million, couldn't they? There could be millions of reasons for that. So for some of us, it's a, it's a present hurt that's going on in our life. Maybe there's something going on at work. We're having a touchy relationship with our boss. Maybe it's with friends. Maybe it's with family, colleagues. 
whatever it is, it's very real, it's taking place right now, and you, you find it hard to f- forgive those people. For others, it will be stuff that's happened in the past, past hurts that just come immediately to mind when you think about this forgiveness thing. Maybe in the past, your teachers, your parents, someone you really trusted let you down, and understandably, in a sense, you're, you're angry, angry, resentful, maybe even bitter to this day. Deep down, you know that you haven't let that person go. That, uh, that incident, that series of incidents, those words, those series of words are heavy on your heart. Well, I just want to say to you that I've been praying for you for about three or four weeks, if that's you. Honestly, genuinely praying that God today is going to do something in your heart that's going to let you let go and that you'll go from here free today of the burden that it is to carry unforgiveness. The severity of what they did wrong could be small, or it could be huge right through to very serious abuse or something like that. But today, you can be free, not of the effects of that offense, but of the pain of that offense, of the hold that it has on you. For some of us, as we forgive those who sin against us, is a very tough prayer, but it is a necessary prayer since the prayer says that as we forgive those who sin against us, we will be forgiven. There's a link between our forgiveness and our capacity to forgive others. In fact, in Matthew's version of the prayer, as soon as Jesus finishes the Lord's prayer with the word amen, he does a little commentary one verse, Matthew 6, 14, uh, two verses rather, 14 and 15, and a little commentary is this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, that's tough, isn't it? That's scary. That's big. And in fact, when the first disciples heard that, they went, whoa, that is, what is that about? And Jesus had to go on a few chapters later and tell a story to illustrate what that really means. And here it is. It's in Matthew 18. A king decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of 100,000 pounds. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife and children, to be thrown in jail and auctioned off in the slave market. The poor guy threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay you back. Now, touched by his plea, the king let him off and he raised the debt. Woohoo, that, that's amazing, isn't it? Fantastic. Then, that servant was no sooner out of the room, when, so the story goes, when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 pounds. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The second poor guy threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay you back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested, put in jail until the debt was paid. Now, when the other servants saw this, what was going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the first man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant? The king was furious and locked up this man until he could pay up the whole debt. And then Jesus concludes the story, and that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of you who refuses to forgive others unconditionally from the heart. Wow, that's powerful stuff, isn't it? What a story. But instinctively, we know how the story should have ended. Don't we? If we were rewriting it, we know how the story should have ended. The person who was forgiven the huge debt should have 
been easily forgiving the small debt. That's right, isn't it? I'm, I'm not just thinking at myself. The person who was forgiven the huge debt should find it easy to forgive the small debt. We are people, every one of us, who have been give, forgiven a huge debt that we could not possibly pay. I referred to it earlier in the person and the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to pay a debt to God, a separation between us and God, the Father, that could never, ever be paid. And we were celebrating, quite rightly, a moment or two ago, how wonderful God is to us in His forgiveness. And yet, it's so hard for us to forgive the smaller debt that is around us, canceling the other debts. I mean, the fact is, we could never pay our debt. They could never pay their debt. If you've got an offense against someone for something serious that they've done to you or said to you, they're never going to be able to pay you back, even if you keep that unforgiveness ongoingly. It's just not going, it's just not going to happen. The, the, the truth of this passage is that you can't free other people unless you free yourself. And you can never really be truly free yourself unless you can free other people. As long as you hold someone captive to your unforgiveness, you are a captive too. This is cheery, isn't it? I hope you're feeling good by this. It's a challenge, but it's the Bible and it's the words of Jesus to us. I've come to think of it like a monkey trap. Do you know what a monkey trap is? It's like a little round basket and it's tethered to a ground. You want to catch a monkey, you get a little basket. It's got a very narrow neck at the top of it so you can just get the monkey arm in there. It's tied to a tree or something like that. And what you do to catch a monkey is you put a piece of fruit that a monkey likes in the monkey trap and along comes a monkey, his name is Cheeky, okay, and he puts his hand in there, he grabs the apple or pineapple or whatever is in there, and he cannot get his hand back out of the trap because when his, his fist is small when it goes in and it's holding onto an apple or whatever, his fist can't get back out of there, and thus the monkey is captured. For some reason, monkeys are not clever enough to know that just let go, they'll be free. But they're like us, an unforgiveness. They hold on to it, thinking, the longer I hold on to this, the better I'm going to feel. It's not true. The longer you hold on to that offense, the more distressed you're going to be, the more captivated you're going to be, the less you'll understand the, the freedom that is there if you let go. A monkey doesn't get that, but a monkey's not us. We get it. But it's hard to let things go. Unforgiveness causes all sorts of trouble in our lives. Unhappiness poor health, disturbed relationships. So the reason that forgiveness is required of us by Jesus is because it's good for us. Not bad, but it's good for us to be set free. Holocaust survivor Eva Kaur describes forgiveness as nothing more than an act of self-healing and self-empowerment. I call it, she says, a medical medicine. It's free, it works, and it has no side effects. You see, unforgiveness often starts a chain reaction that can spiral down into bitterness and resentment that do us no good. In fact, they con constrain our lives. Now, I've, I know this is feeling a bit heavy right now, so let me tell you a nice little story. You can just have a little breather here. Have you ever wondered what builders do in your house when you leave them the key? Right, and they're doing some work there. Apologies to any builders here. I see, I see one or two in the congregation. Um, but this is true. It was in the Daily Mail, so it must be true. Okay, uh, last year, uh, this guy, um, 
You can see his picture coming up on screen in a moment. His name is Alexander Tasarov. He's a builder, and he had the job of doing some plaster work in someone's house, and he decided it would be a great idea to fill, for some reason, to fill the bath with plaster, and then get in the bath and sit there until it had set just to see what it was like. That's what they're doing in your house. If you come home and your bath's all messy, you know this is what he's been doing. Anyway, he, he went in the bath. You can watch a YouTube clip, not right now, but you can watch a YouTube clip in your own time, and you can see, because for some reason he filmed it. He's famous now, isn't he? You've all heard about him. Now, what happened was when he was in the bath and the plaster started to set, what he didn't realize, or he should have realized, but he didn't, was that when plaster sets, it gets warm, and it started to basically heat him up and heat him up and heat him up, the other thing that happened that he didn't really realize, although he should have realized it, is when plaster dries, it shrinks. Okay, and so gradually he was getting hotter and hotter, and the plaster was getting tighter and tighter until there came a moment when he could hardly breathe because it was compressing him with this. Now, the only sensible thing that he did was that in arm's reach, he had left a hammer and chisel. And so he reached out, and you can see this on the, the, the video, uh, he, he gets a chisel at his chest and hits it with this big hammer and breaks off chunks of the plaster so that he can breathe again. Wow. Now, do not do this at home. Okay, this is a word. It should say it on the screen now. Do not do this at home. But here is the application for us today. You see, when we refuse to forgive, we unwittingly submerge ourselves in a bath of bitterness self-pity and anger until it encases us and it squeezes the life out of us. Now, this could lead us to despair, but I want you just to lift up your heads and lift up your hearts. This is a message, a good news message. This is a heart-releasing message. The, the subtext of this message is be free because it is possible to forgive people. It might seem difficult in the moment, but it is possible to forgive people. Jesus proves that it's possible because even in the most dire circumstances, he was able to forgive. On the cross, as he's nailed between two thieves, he's nailed to the cross, his life is taken from him. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have had a lot of justification for being pretty annoyed. Let's put it that way. But the words that come from his mouth on the cross, you know them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, I know some of you are already saying, yeah, but the person who did what they did to me, they did, did know what they're doing. I don't care. Okay. This is crucifixion to the point of death. There is no out, way out of this. Father, forgive them. Now, if Jesus can do it, it gives me hope. I don't know about you. It gives me hope because I, the same Jesus who's alive now, he's not dead, he, he was dead, he's resurrected, is with us to help us. He's the one who walks alongside us. And this is amazing. Just get this in your heart and head. When I'm thinking, I will never forgive you, this Jesus is holding my arm and saying, David, you can. I could. I'm with you. I will help you. You can. I'll never let them free. You have no idea what they did to me. Jesus says, I do. I know exactly what they did to you. And you can let them free because it will do you good. Now, here's my experience. One of my experiences over 30 years of pastoring is when people are upset and uh, unforgiving towards other, others, they think that the other person is just as upset as them. 
my experience is that most of the time, the person who made you unforgiving doesn't even think about you. It's not care. It doesn't care, sadly. They're not bothered, right? One writer's put it like this, uh, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison trying to kill someone else. It's just not going to work. So what would you choose? Can we choose freedom? I know it's not easy, but we can choose freedom because Christ can help us. We had a wonderful testimony. I'm running out of time, but I'll be very brief with this. We've had loads of testimonies here at Kingsgate of people who realized that unforgiveness was in their life, and when they got to the point that you're at right now, understanding that they need to forgive, God did an amazing work in them. We had one story of someone who was totally healed from a really debilitating disease. They didn't even know it was anything to do with that unforgiveness. But as soon as they forgave, instantly they were healed. Last uh, week or so, we had our uh, Beta Day here. Beta is a course that we run um, here at Kingsgate. And in the, one of the sessions there, we were praying about unforgiveness, and someone has written in this testimony, and the person has given me permission to share it uh, anonymously with you. Here's what they say. I suffered sexual and emotional abuse, and I always believed it was my fault. I felt unworthy, and any feelings I had were subdued by my father. On Beta Day, I wrote down the names of my abusers and asked for the power to forgive these people. Through my tears, I could... Oh, I'm going to get... I'm going to burst into tears just reading this. Through my tears, I could see Jesus standing in front of me, looking into my eyes with his arms out wide. I walked towards him, and he wrapped his arms around me, saying, you are free. You are loved unconditionally. I felt it was a hug of true love, unlike any hug I had ever received before. And I'm looking forward to receiving many more true love hugs. It is possible. It is possible to forgive. I declare it over anyone who hears my voice right now that it is possible for you to forgive. It is possible by the power of God in your life to forgive him, her, them, whatever it has been, past or present, it is possible to forgive and for you to go free. That would be the greatest joy of my heart, to finish this message and to know that there are men and women and young people who came in captives to unforgiveness, who are going home free. That's really what I want for you. Yeah, come on, for your, for your heart. Ask God to forgive you every day choose to forgive and release others. And we're going to come back to this in a moment or two uh, and pray for each other. And finally, very shortly, ask God to, thirdly, set your will to forgive others. Having been forgiven and offered forgiveness, or you're praying this prayer and nothing comes to light, we have to set our will, our choice operations, the part of us that makes decisions, to choose that today, if we pray this in the morning, today I am not going to let any offense come and stick to me. When I was praying for you all last week, a picture came to mind. I can tell I've been fasting for 21 days because every picture is to do with food, okay? Uh, and uh, yeah, let's not talk food, okay? And the picture that came was a, a Teflon-coated pan, now, every man who hears my voice here, everyone who's here knows that the Teflon pans are brilliant 
because you put them on the heat, you can put anything in them, you can go away and do loads of jobs and stuff, right? And you can come back, and even if it's cremated, it doesn't stick, right? It still slides off onto the bread. Beautiful. Okay, Teflon, it's a wonderful invention. But here's what I said since when I was praying for you, is that God can give us a Teflon-coated heart so that no offense can come to us and stick to us. Nothing can stick to us. If it helps you pray that prayer, God, God designed Teflon. He knows what we're talking about. Father, give me a Teflon heart. Let nothing stick to me. Let no offense, nothing is going to go to me. I've set my mind and my will that nothing is going to stick to me. When someone speaks to you sharply, you just let it go. Think the best of them. They're under pressure. Just let it go. Someone cuts you up as you're driving to work or somewhere. Let it go. It's not going to do it. They won't even know you're annoyed right? It's captivating me. It's captivating your heart. If you think someone at work is annoying you, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt repeatedly. In fact, this Teflon coat is especially designed for every believer, uh, and Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 13. I wonder if you'd like to read this passage with me. You've got it on your sheet, or you'll see it on screen here. This is the kind of Teflon coating that I'm talking about on our lives. Let's pray it together. It begins, love is patient and kind together. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Wow, what a lovely prayer to pray. Again, I pray this very often, and I like to put my own name in there. You know, so David is patient and kind. Uh, He's attempting to be by the Holy Spirit's uh, presence in him. I'm not even going to read it anymore of that, but you get the gist. Okay, this is a Teflon coating moment when we're saying, I'm setting my will in my heart to be blessed. There's so much more that we could talk about in this wonderful Lord's Prayer. How much do you think our day would be helped by our determination to be a forgiving person? When we pray this prayer, Jesus is promising that our sins will be forgiven. You see, it's implicit in the prayer that God will answer, isn't it? Otherwise, Jesus would be saying, forgive us our sins, open brackets. I know he will never do that, close brackets. That's not what the prayer is, is it? The prayer, implicit in the prayer is that Jesus knows that when we pray it, we will be forgiven because God is good, God is just, and he forgives us our sins when we bring them to him. Our sins, our debts, our trespasses, our transgressions, our offenses will be forgiven just as we offer forgiveness to the people around us. And so as you pray the Lord's Prayer, ask God to forgive you every day. Choose to forgive and release others and set your will to forgive others too. We're just going to pray together and then I'd like to invite you to join with me in a response to this message. So let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you're a good, kind, loving, open-handed Father to us. We ask you to forgive us our sins and to help us to forgive the sins of others towards us. We thank you that that is eminently possible because you could forgive and you are with us. You walk with us. You help us to forgive others. And so, Father, I pray, even as we continue to worship, 
that your spirit will join us and give us a spirit of forgiveness, we pray. Amen.